The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. From the newsroom of The Washington Post. It's Robert Samuels from The Washington Post. Post, this is Sarah Kaplan. Hi, this is Elahe Azadi with The Washington Post. Hey. This is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Wednesday, March 17th. Today, what motivated a shooter in Atlanta? Plus, a closer look at the AstraZeneca vaccine controversy. Um, As many of you all know, there were several victims um, who were tragically killed on yesterday. And our thoughts and prayers remain with those families. Um, whether it's violence. Can you tell me what happened on Tuesday night? So what we know is that there were shootings Tuesday night at three Atlanta area spas. Paulina Ferrosi is a reporter covering national and breaking news for The Post. Eight people were killed and six of the victims were Asian women. And who was the shooter? So police have arrested a 21-year-old, Robert Aaron Long, and said that he is the suspect in all three of these shootings. And the authorities have also said that he took responsibility for these shootings. You know, I think when a lot of people saw this news and saw in particular that Asian women were targeted here, there was a concern that this was part of this larger trend that we've been seeing in recent weeks and months of violence against Asians and Asian Americans. Do we know if that played into his motive at all? As you said, immediately advocates and lawmakers noted concern that this shooting was part of a pattern of hate crimes against Asian Americans, really the latest in in sort of a surge of of crimes and violence against Asian American individuals. What we do know is that authorities, when they held a press conference on Wednesday, they said that after interviewing the suspect, the suspect himself claimed during the interviews that this act of violence was not racially motivated. He, quote, made indicators that he has some issues, potentially sexual addiction. The Atlanta police chief said that it is not yet clear if these killings could be classified as a hate crime. So it does appear that authorities are not ruling out that this is a hate crime. But what they did say at their news conference is that the suspect himself said that it was not racially motivated. Was this racially motivated? As the chief indicated, uh, it's still early, but uh, the indicators right now are, uh, uh, it it may not be. Uh, It may be targets of opportunity. Uh, Again, we we believe that he frequented these places in the past and um, uh, may have been lashing out. uh, And part of that is is in your media packet as well. But the working theory is a sexual addiction issue rather than a, a, a racial profile. Uh, uh, it, during our interviews, uh, we asked that specific question, and, uh, and that did not appear to be uh, the motive. They indicated that it's still early in their investigation, but those are details that they mentioned that he had potentially frequented these businesses in the past, and that that's how he described them as a, quote, temptation for him. So this statement from authorities about 
the fact that he's saying that these spas were a temptation for him. It's hard to understand what that means. But tell me, what is the reaction that you've been hearing from officials that you've spoken to in Georgia? I spoke with a state senator who earlier this week had spoken with other senators, state senators in Georgia about the rise in hate crime against Asian Americans. I'm Dr. Michelle Au. I am a physician here in Metro Atlanta, and I'm also a Georgia state senator for District 48, which encompasses a a wide swath of North Fulton and Gwinnett counties here in Georgia. And she, on Monday, had, had spoken about people in the community needing more help and needing more protection, especially after seeing this sort of increasing discrimination and violence against Asian American communities. And so when she saw this news Tuesday night about the shooting. I think my reaction was probably similar to that of many, is that we were shocked and saddened, but we were not surprised. And that's because of this landscape, she said, that we're in where Asian Americans are increasingly terrified and fearful for their lives and their safety because of escalating threats. She acknowledged that, you know, we we don't want to jump to any conclusions. But just stepping back for a bit, I think that there is a picture in this country, especially over the past year, of increasing discrimination and violence against our Asian American uh, communities. And certainly, regardless of what it turns out that the motivations between this uh, particular shooting were, it is taking place in a landscape where Asian Americans are increasingly uh, terrified and fearful for their lives and their safety because of these escalating threats against um, against our people. You know, there's this picture in this country, you know, especially over this last year of increasing discrimination and violence. And that's sort of the backdrop with which she was sort of absorbing this news last night. And I think important to understand that when it comes to racial violence and violence against Asian Americans, that that can also intersect with the way that we think about women in this country, and especially non-white women, and that to be an Asian woman in this country brings its own set of risks. Yeah. I also spoke with Sung Young Choi Morrow, who's the executive director of the Asian Pacific American Women's Forum, and she spoke about this exactly. And she said that You know, one thing she mentioned was that you can't ignore the fact that anti-Asian hate and violence over the last year has disproportionately impacted women. One thing she said to me specifically was that the people that are most fearful to go to work today in Atlanta are Asian American women. And and they're fearful to go to their their service jobs today because of what happened. Do we know how quickly we will have more answers from this investigation and how officials are going to be sussing out those questions of what motivated this this shooter and to what extent this could be considered a hate crime? What I can say is that the Atlanta police chief and, and other authorities that spoke today they emphasize that they're still early in this investigation and, and can't yet make a determination. They said even though they've made an arrest, there's a lot more work to be done. And it didn't seem like there was a specific timeline laid out as to when they might be able to make a determination whether this is classified as a hate crime. Paulina Ferrosi covers national and breaking news for The Post. Ariel Plotnik produced this story. For the latest news on the shootings in Georgia, go to WashingtonPost.com.
The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. So at the moment, with the AstraZeneca vaccine, we've seen temporary suspensions in a number of countries across Europe. Loveday Morris is the Berlin bureau chief for The Post. Initially, there'd been concerns voiced about certain batches, but then on Monday... Since our last press conference on Friday, several more countries have suspended the use of AstraZeneca vaccines as a precautionary measure. Germany, France, Spain, Italy all suspended the use of AstraZeneca. After reports of blood clots in people who had received the vaccine, from two batches produced in Europe. This does not necessarily mean these events are linked to vaccination. It's cases in Germany that have actually triggered suspensions. They've reported eight cases of a rare type of brain clot that they say is above the levels that you'd see in the normal population. So they've done 1.6 million vaccinations, and they say you'd normally expect in the population to get about one case like this. But so far, they've had eight. And how many people in total have received the AstraZeneca vaccine at this point? So that's the thing. There are 17 million shots in the UK and across Europe. And out of all those shots, AstraZeneca is saying there have only been 37 cases of the thrombosis, which overall is less than you'd expect to see in the normal population. The concern really is about these very rare types of clots that Germany is saying is happening at a rate above what you'd see in the normal population. And so what is the process of trying to determine whether or not there really is a relationship between these cases and the vaccine? Who is in charge of coming up with that decision? In Europe, that's the European regulator, the European Medicines Agency, They're saying that they're going to investigate these new cases. So they've put together a panel of experts, essentially, in these kind of thrombotic events. And they're going to look at these cases and try and draw a conclusion by tomorrow whether these are linked to the vaccine. Uh, The EMA has said at the moment they have no evidence of that, but they think it's worthy of an investigation. And has the World Health Organization weighed in on this question at all? So the WHO is also looking at these cases. It's said it will present its findings as soon as possible. But in the meantime, it's really stressing that the benefits of the vaccine outweigh the risks. They just put out a statement on Wednesday and they reminded people that these kind of blood clots, these kind of Issues happen in the normal population. That's to be expected to happen in any population. It's now really up to the scientists to decide if this is just a coincidence or if there is something happening here, if there is a link. 
But even though they're saying that the benefits are greater than the side effects, I wonder if there is an impact on the message that is being sent to people who are considering whether to get this vaccine when they hear this discussion about concerns about blood clotting and and whether there is a fear that this will cause a significant amount of second guessing among regular people, even if the EMA ultimately decides that this is safe to go forward. Sure, absolutely. And AstraZeneca had a lot of issues with its image in Europe even before this. There were reports of people not turning up to AstraZeneca vaccinations and hesitancy around AstraZeneca for a number of reasons, really, one of which is the initial efficacy figures. It didn't seem as good as Pfizer or Moderna. And um, there were some issues about that they didn't use so many older people in their trials. So there have been a lot of issues with the rollout with AstraZeneca. There's definitely a concern that this is going to put people off. You know, even if the EMA come out on Thursday and say, actually, there's no correlation um, between these events and the vaccine. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to this uh, EMA press conference. Indeed, an EMA press conference with uh, Director Emer Cook. The head of the EMA actually spoke about that. Um, she gave a press conference on Tuesday and said the fact that they're reviewing it could impact um, hesitancy. I don't need to remind you all here today that the COVID-19 pandemic is a global crisis with devastating health, social and economic impact, and it continues to be a major burden on EU health health systems. So while the investigation is ongoing, we are still firmly convinced that the benefits of the AstraZeneca vaccine in preventing COVID-19 with its associated risk of hospitalization and death outweigh the risk of these side effects. And this also has stakes for the rest of the world, because even though many people are looking to the EMA to provide this clarity on whether or not the vaccine is safe or should continue to be administered, this is a vaccine that is not just being given in Europe. It's being given around the world, though though not in the U.S. Right. And AstraZeneca, particularly for developing countries, is definitely a vaccine that people were relying on. I mean, it doesn't have this cold storage requirement of the other vaccines. It's rolling it out not for profit, unlike other vaccines. So all over the world, including in Europe, people were relying on this for their vaccination programs. But at the moment, there is nothing to say these events are linked. But yes, I mean, if there is a concern, it definitely would have a a huge impact. And what is at stake here more largely for the fight against the coronavirus? I mean, in Europe, this comes against the background of a really sluggish um, rollout of vaccines. They're already well behind the UK and other places. And they're facing a third wave. You know, we're, we're talking here now in Germany again about exponential growth. More people coming into the ICUs every day. There are more deaths every day. And, you know, for a lot of people, it doesn't, even though there are supposedly vaccines on the market, it doesn't feel that different, you know, to the situation last spring. As far as this being a a really important tool for fighting corona, um, even just a pause, you know, it means more time to get to herd immunity. It means less lives saved potentially. So, yeah, there's a lot of pressure to kind of come to a decision on this because 
you know, every day that they're pausing, that's, you know, people that could have been vaccinated. One of the hardest things for these researchers to do, especially when you're rolling out a brand new vaccine or really any type of drug or treatment, is to figure out, you know, is this a signal or is this just noise from what happens in the general population? And so the challenge for these scientists is to figure out, are these cases and reports of clots just coincidence or are they somehow linked to taking the vaccine. And that's what everyone's working on right now. Alison Chu is a wellness reporter for The Post. And she's been reporting on what we do and do not know about a connection between the AstraZeneca vaccine and blood clots. The company has noted that they had 37 cases of both deep vein thrombosis and pulmonary embolism, which are two very common types of blood clots. In Germany is where they've reported cases of a very rare brain blood clot known as cerebral venous sinus thrombosis. And that's what's prompting much concern from the European Medicines Agency. Um, And they are looking into these reports and, and running studies to see if there's any link between these clots and the vaccine. And so the question that people are asking is essentially like, did these people just happen to get these blood clots after they got this vaccine? Or was there some causality or relationship between getting the vaccine and these individuals who happened to get these blood clots? Exactly. So I spoke with Stephen Evans, a professor of um, pharmacoepidemiology at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. And so things that just happen by coincidence will, because it's health-related, be assumed to be caused by the vaccine. But that is, in most instances, not the case. He and other public health experts have mentioned that oftentimes when adverse health events are reported after a new vaccine or drug or treatment has been widely rolled out to the public, these cases and reports are coincidental. We look at these reports, we look for things that are beyond what we would expect. And so Mm -hmm. far, we haven't seen anything beyond what we expect. But in the case of the AstraZeneca vaccine, experts are still investigating and, and we really don't know yet. So as public health experts are trying to look at this data, how are they approaching this problem? Like, how are they going to figure out whether or not this really is a, a side effect of the vaccine? So there's one of two ways that researchers can figure out whether it's a it's a real side effect or if it's just coincidence. One of those ways is understanding the biology and understanding whether it's biologically possible for the vaccine to potentially cause this effect that's being reported. And the second way is understanding what's happening at a population level. So are the reports of adverse effects among people who are vaccinated, how does that compare to what's expected in the general population? Understanding whether this is happening more frequently than might be expected in the general population. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. often very, very difficult. So I spoke with Susan Ellenberg, a professor of biostatistics, medical ethics, and health policy at the University of Pennsylvania. And, And we talked about why it's common for, for people to think, oh, that must have been caused by the vaccine or at the very least, you know, even just be a little bit suspicious. You have to remember these reports, you know, are uh, one, they're underreported. 
you know, there may be many more cases that people didn't report because they or their doctors couldn't see why it should be related to the vaccine, so they didn't mm-hmm. bother to report it. But they're also, you know, in some sense overreported because people are concerned. There are many people who are concerned about, you know, how mm-hmm. fast the vaccines were rolled out, so they're going to be very suspicious of anything that happens. But, mm-hmm. you know, whatever people report goes in the database. And what has this drug manufacturer, AstraZeneca, said about this vaccine? Like, how are they responding to the fact that these questions and concerns are being brought up right now? So uh, in a statement over the weekend, AstraZeneca stressed that they believe their vaccine is safe. And they mentioned that more than 17 million people in the European Union and the UK have received the vaccine. But we're expecting to see uh, more information on Thursday once the uh, European Medicines Agency releases its conclusions following um, its investigation into whether or not these very rare brain blood clots are linked to the AstraZeneca vaccine. Allison, you know, I have to be honest, I'm really worried about this because my parents have both been vaccinated with this vaccine because it is the one vaccine available in the place where they live. And I'm sure a lot of other people, millions of people are in that position or thinking about whether they're going to get vaccinated and hearing this news. So what are you hearing from public health experts in terms of, like, should we be worried? It's a really good question. And a lot of people, like you said, are are asking this. Really, the, the message among public health experts is that the public should be reassured that there are a lot of scientists looking into these events and trying to figure out whether they're related. Well, I think they should be looking to places like the regulatory agencies and uh, leading experts in pharmacovigilance who understand how to interpret the data. The vaccine isn't mm-hmm. going to prevent blood clots. It's not going to prevent heart attacks, and and there's no reason to think those kinds of events are just never going to happen you know, mm-hmm. within a few days of some. It seems like an incredible coincidence, but when you've got millions and millions of people receiving the vaccine, coincidences happen. And in the meantime, you know, while these reports of blood clots are being investigated, it's really important that the public doesn't jump to conclusions uh, about a vaccine's safety until we can get more information confirming whether there's a relationship between these two events. Allison Chu is a wellness reporter for The Post. Loveday Morris is our Berlin bureau chief. This story was produced by Alexis Diao. That's it for today's show. Thanks for listening. This episode was mixed by Rena Flores. If Post Reports is an important part of your daily routine, we'd love for you to leave a review on your podcast app. It helps other people find our show and the journalism that we share. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. 
The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening.